Hey everyone, David here. I want to tell you about my music podcast, On Rotation. It's engaging, interactive, and insightful. Music mm-hmm. entwines with everything. It's something that always rings true to me. So when I need something to kind of root me, I can always go back to music in a sense, you know? Yeah. Join me each episode as we rotate through a number of topics and hear why it's the podcast that's always on replay and never on repeat. Listen to On Rotation wherever you get your podcasts. I think it's possible to overstate the extent to which the music one listens to actually has an effect on the music you write. You could take some portions of the song and be like, hey, this could remind me of this certain situation or this situation. That's when an artist can stay true to themselves with being honest with their lyrics. I feel like that's my favorite part of songwriting is being able to look back and really understand how I was feeling and you know what my perspective was on different events in my life. Back before you decided that you did not want to be here anymore. Hey everybody, what's up? What's happening? You're listening to On Rotation, the podcast that's always on replay and never on repeat. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is David. I'll be your host and lovely guide. Art Alexicus has been the face of Everclear ever since the band debuted in 1991. While the band's career took some time to gain traction, Art says they are still seeing continued success by attracting fans of all ages and selling out shows. Listen to Art talk about Everclear's success and what it means for the band as they go on tour in support of their newest album. Art from Everclear is here on the podcast. Art, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? doing well like we were just discussing this is what your sixth interview today everyone wants to talk to you about this album y'all got coming out i i know it's a hard life right it's like one percent problems i was complaining my wife's like you're complaining because people want to talk to you about your new album you're 61 (laughs) just shut up that's why i married someone smarter than me (laughs) right to keep you in your place and to push you to do it and better all the way around everything (laughs) Well, I'm certainly glad to have you on. Uh, speaking of the album, like, what can you tell us about it? Like, Everclear has been around, you know, for decades. I think what I saw is this is an homage to, you know, 30 some odd years in the industry. So is that really the main inspiration behind the album? And what I saw, it's a live album too, right? Like you're re-recording a lot of your songs. Well, you know, it wasn't even that conscious of a thing. It's just like, that's what we sound like live. We've always been a lot more rock and intense and guitar centric than our albums because when i grew up in this in the 70s bands would do much more produced records right but live it would be more two-dimensional and it'd be more intense and in your face and i like both aspects of it i like i like the where you could put cool production in there and just put things that you know have different levels and textures and all that stuff and dynamics and then live it's just kind of in your face Mm. and this is how we've always been live uh and if anything it's just a document for people to see how we sound and and inadvertently it's turned into what you're talking about where it's kind of you know documenting our whole career from first album to now you know and um I think that's cool, but it wasn't set out to do that. We were just going to play the last show of our tour at the Whiskey A Go-Go 
in LA, which I'd never played. I grew up in LA. I'd never mm -hmm. played there. But uh, I uh, got a call about three and a half weeks before from this guy that I knew used to work at Capitol Records, uh, Tim Devine. And he worked for a new record label, uh, indie record label called Sunset Boulevard Records. And he said, do you want to make a new original record? And I go, no, not at all. <laughs> I have no urge. <laughs> Thank you. Got to go. Sorry. Bye, Tim. Mm -hmm. Be well. Yeah. He's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't want to make a new record? I go, man, I've made 10 records and other records by other bands I was in. Yeah. I don't feel the need. I don't feel the need. I do like, I write about one or two songs a year that I want to record. I give other people songs. I work on other people's songs. So I'm still being creative. But the idea of going in and making, a, spending a whole year making mm. an album just doesn't sound attractive to me. Mm -hmm. um, but he's like, well, you're playing the whiskey in like three weeks. Why don't we record it and make a, rec a live record out of it? I'm like, okay, we can record it. But if I don't like the way it came out, I'm not putting out a record. Yeah, it's so, like it's done. <laughs> I'll, I'll pay for the recording. You know, I'll get my guy out there. And if I like it, then we'll do a deal. And it came out pretty good. So there you go. Well, that kind of raises an interesting question for you because you've been doing this for so long. And like you said, you've done your own original music and songwriting and whatever. But like you said, you also like creating for other people or working with other artists. Do you have a preference? Like, do you like, you know, performing Everclear songs, writing again for the band? Or do you really, really, really get a kick out of working with other artists? And like you said, songwriting for other people to perform. I like working with other people, but doing my thing for me and my band, for my, you know, Everclear is my band. Mm -hmm. Always has been. Um, that's my life's work. And I still love it. I still love doing it. I still love coming up with, songs and seeing them go from an idea in here to whatever that is out there holding mm. them out like actually in about 20 minutes a guy 20 25 minutes guy from the record labels coming with the actual vi vinyl record i know and he's gonna film me opening up the box and stuff you know the reveal yeah. stupid it's label stuff <laughs> I, I don't care. I just want to get my hands on the album and go home and put it on my turntable. You know? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> well, if you're that excited to get it, you must be that excited to go on tour too, right? Like the tour I was just checking out, you got a lot of dates lined up. And like, yeah. from what I from what I could collect, because the Boston show, you're going to be at Big Night Live, which is, you know, a good mid-sized venue, I would say. Is that the theme for most of the tour stops? Like it's, you know, not it's not stadiums, it's not arenas, but it's a little bit more intimate, right? We're we're not we're not that big. We we do about fifteen hundred to two thousand seats, which is really good business, mm -hmm. and a lot of bands would kill to do that kind of business. But uh, we're we we uh, that's about right. That's my favorite shows anywhere from a thousand to two thousand. It's you can see people's faces, you can see people jumping up and down, you can you can recognize people, you know, fans or people you know. But at the same time, when they when they applaud it, it it's big enough. It's just big enough that it it gets that kind of like, it makes your heart flutter a little bit, you know. Mm -hmm. And when a thousand people or two thousand people are singing your lyrics, it's pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. And I was gonna that leads into another question I literally had was what's what's the impact like or what you've seen 
singing songs, you know, like some of your biggest hits, just to name a few, like Santa Monica, Heroin Girl, like, you know, those songs all these years later, still getting on stage and performing them. Like what what is the reaction from fans? And specifically, what does that feel like for you? To, like I said, to still have so many people sing along or have these songs still pop off with an audience? That's a good question. Uh, really, it's interesting because the pers- the perspectives changed. It's gone from being a lot of young kids, you know, when we first came up, came up, high school, college level, maybe a little bit older, and a lot of those people have stuck with us and are now in their 30s and 40s and even 50s. Mm-hmm. And but at the same time, there's about 20 to 25 percent of kids in their teens and early mid 20s that were not old enough to really grasp Everclear when we came out. Some of them weren't even born yet. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they have like glommed on to 90s rock because it's rock and roll and there's not a lot of, that's what they tell me when I ask kids, like, how did you get into Everclear? Some, it's their parents, some it's siblings or or friends of the family or uncles or aunts or something. But a large part of them are kids that just are disillusioned with contemporary music Mm-hmm. And they gravitated to the 90s, you know, and listening to different bands of the 90s, a lot of them glommed onto us. Right. Yeah. I feel like that's one of the hardest things to do as an act. Like it's, you would think that, you know, the decade that you come up in, especially like the 90s and early 2000s, was so iconic for, you know, for your genre, like kind of like the grunge, emo, alternative rock scene it's really impressive when you have a group that really does meet all of those generations or has generations of fans. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. But I, you know, what I'd add to it is that I think the reason for it is that there's a classic rock element to it Mm -hmm. that because all the bands that were making music in the nineties, we all grew up in the seventies, late sixties, seventies, early eighties. Right. And so You've got all those bands, Zeppelin, um, Aerosmith, Cheap Trick, um, Black Sabbath, Beatles, Stones, going into like punk rock, uh, Ramones, um, Sex Pistols, X, uh, mm-hmm. Clash, into New Wave and into hip hop and into um, later alternative in, in the late 80s, like uh, Who's Do and... Um, replacements and pixies and and uh teens addiction and i think it's just all of a change so what you're hearing in the 90s is kind of just that whole classic rock experience which arguably was some of the best time for rock and roll um and through a through a different prism through a different looking looking at it through a different lens um but it's still the same thing yeah that's that's always been my take on it. I've talked to other people in bands, uh, women and and guys who, you know, played in bands in the '90s and had success. And mm-hmm. We all grew up listening to a lot of the same music, you know. Yeah. Would you say that kind of helped your success? Because I'm looking at my notes here, and you know, you released an album in '90. I want to say either '97 or '98. It was so much for the Afterglow, and that was to this day is still your only Grammy nom. Oh, '97. Okay, and you know, it, it was one of your best-selling albums, charted really well, had a couple singles off of it. Would you think that's because of 
exactly four singles, <laughs> four singles four which singles. is three top three top three two of them number one singles and guess what we got nominated for an instrumental yeah exactly yeah <laughs> we, didn't get, we didn't get we didn't get nominated for those hit songs we got nominated <laughs> for instrumental, which we lost to a jazz guy and even though you lost they like at least acknowledged that you guys knew what you're doing with you know the guitars and what <laughs> well we had a we had the modern rock record of the year in 98 because we mm. were which meant for billboard the modern rock um meaning we were the most played band at modern rock mm -hmm. in 1998 so right. that you know we just and we didn't set out to do that it just set out to make a great record mm -hmm. you know and i think bands that, and artists that try to write hit songs i don't think it works Sometimes mm -hmm. it might work, but for the most part, you you tap into something bigger than yourself, and that that kind of stuff happens. That's been my experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say like sometimes there are those algorithms with some artists where it's like you got to turn out a radio hit or like this certain chord will really hit with the radio or you know the ear candy phrase as we're all familiar with like especially in the pop yeah. community like it's always been around. But like what you're saying, like you don't expect success sometimes. Sometimes it just comes your way because of certain trends or your audience really resonates with it. Is that something like has there been a common theme in your career and with being with Everclear that you've noticed has really helped your band with success? Absolutely. I think personally, I think if you make something that makes you excited, mm -hmm. it, the chances are it's going to make other people excited. Um it's it's really I, I try not to get deeper into it than that i tr i don't pay attention to algorithms i i'm not interested i know the chords you're talking about i i get it i i, I know what they're doing it doesn't interest me i want to write songs that that connect with me lyrically and musically mm -hmm. and vibe wise and have that kind of swagger that you can't create from an algorithm you know and that's that's why pop music today isn't very rock and roll because it's not being created by from from a rock and roll swagger you know like it was in the 90s or the 70s or the 80s or the 60s or 50s when it first started yeah. it doesn't have that it doesn't have that punk rock mythos to it that that stuff did in the 50s when you had Eddie Cochran and Chuck Berry and Little Richard, and those guys were arguably more punk rock than any band that came out in the set. Any band of white boys calling themselves punk rocks came out in the 70s or 80s or, or 90s for that matter. Right. Um, but that being said, the music just it it's it just defines itself if you're if you're doing it. Here's a stupid word I'm gonna use, but I can't think of a better one organically mm. you know it's naturally by taking your influences and putting them into your music through your funnel and putting your spin on it that's what it's always been to me um and one thing i just want to say is like when i listen to contemporary pop i hear some things that are kind of cool but for the most part it sounds like everybody's listening and watching what people are doing on their left and right not what they're doing behind them they're not they don't they're not listening to the music they grew up with 
They're just they're just trying to emulate. Oh, they were successful, so let's do something kind of like that. Mm. And that just comes off weak, I think. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm curious. Do you have any acts like nowadays that you really like, or you think kind of do more of the original, like bringing back classic rock age? Like, you know, I can think of a couple. Like, I think Greta Van Fleet is an act that a lot of people really like nowadays which kind of fits into that older sound, but would you disagree yeah, or do you have somebody else? Like, like a, No, it's it's like a, a retro thing. And a lot of musicians to, that I know really don't like them. I really? think they're fun. I think they're just fun. Yeah, but <laughs> you're talking about old crusty guys like me, not cool kids <laughs> like you. You know, they're like, oh man, that's just like a ripoff from Zeppelin and this and that. I'm like, so what? It's fun. It's yeah. rock and roll. You got kids going to see it. Um, I went to a coffee shop yesterday and this 20-year-old girl smiling at me. She's wearing a Greta Van Fleet shirt. And um, she's like, are you art? I go, I'm art. You mean, she goes, art from Everclear. I go, yeah. And she goes, God, I'm a huge fan. I saw you guys, blah, 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 when I was 14 and my sister was 12. I go, your parents' fans took you to it? She goes, yeah. I go, cool. <laughs> and she's wearing a Greta Van Fleet shirt. We talked yeah. about Greta. And, you know, I just I just think it's cool. It's like when we play shows now, mm-hmm. we've got the people that grew up with us, but we also got those young kids coming out mm-hmm. that um, I'd say 20% of our crowds now are like her age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, she wasn't even born when we were putting those records out. <laughs> Seriously. Right. She wasn't even born. And uh I I just think that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's so that's so wild, huh? I guess you never would have expected to get recognized in a coffee shop in LA of all places. <laughs> By a 20-year-old, I should say. Yeah, yeah. That's not something you plan for, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I also yeah. want to know a little bit more about, you know, your own experience and your you know, we were talking about influences and, you know, music and songwriting and stuff. And depending on how much you want to discuss, you know, you had a pretty like rocky childhood from what I understand, like moving around some issues with your family. Um, You were an addict at one point, your brother and your sister are no longer with us. My sister, uh, two of my sisters are passed away, but not from the drugs. Okay. Uh, my, yeah. brother died, my brother died of an overdose when I was 12, that's probably what you're referencing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have that one, yeah. Yeah, but my other two sisters died from like, one a heart attack, the other something else, cancer mm-hmm. or something. Right, yeah. But um, But what was your question? Just if any of those life experiences have had a direct impact on your music. Absolutely. I think everything has an impact on a writer. I mean, you're a writer, you're, you, 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 you create content. Uh, everything that happens in your life, especially when it's really, really great or really bad, is gonna make it's gonna make an impact. Um, I the the song "Heroin Girl" uh, mm-hmm. wasn't about a girl. It was I I I created that from different things, and but that line there's a line in it where it goes, "I heard a policeman say just another overdose." When my mom was at the morgue to identify my well, my brother, she heard a cop saying that about him. And she went up to him 
and just said, that's not another overdose. That's my little boy. Mm. And mm. it makes me want to cry. And apparently the cop just started bawling mm. because he was being insensitive and he, he knew it. And uh, my mom called him on it. And it just makes you really that kind of intensity. Um, I like it. I like it in music. I like emotional music. I like um, and emo music very often. It's not emotional at all, but emotional music and emotional rock and roll. I love rock and roll. I grew up loving rock and roll. I will play rock and roll till the, I die, whether it's fashionable or not. I don't really care. As long as people keep buying tickets, I'll keep playing rock. Mm -hmm. I mean, talking about tickets, like, I hope the sales for this tour are going to be good, man. Like, it seems like you got, you still have this following. Well. Oh, they are? You know it's how it's going? Doing really well, bro. It's doing well. Do you have like any venues that you're really, we were talking earlier about that one venue, um, which the album is named after actually, Whiskey A Go Go. Like, do you have any venues that you're really excited to see or like, any parts of the country like you're really looking forward to playing in? Well, there's not too many places that we haven't been to or or venues that we haven't played. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, the venue in Boston is I I don't believe we played there, so mm -hmm. that's exciting. Was that Big Night Live? Big Night Live, yeah, it's a fairly new venue. Opened I think maybe two three years ago. I want to say. Was it something else before? It was, but I'm not the person to tell you. <laughs> so I'll know when I go there. If it was a club we played, and we played all over Boston. We even mm -hmm. played the Rat back in the day. Um, the Rascaler. Um, you know, it's it's exciting to, to go out and play, but at the same time, it's like there's not a lot of new places we're going, but to mm -hmm. me, every show is unique, and, and I'm really excited to get out and play it's, yeah. it's going to be a great tour and we're taking the ataris um and the pink spiders both really cool bands from the odds mm -hmm. that's going to be fun i got time for two more i was going to say we haven't talked about the new single yet actually because the album is mostly original songs like we mentioned but you have a new single coming out called sing away can you tell us a little bit about that absolutely um incidentally today we filmed a year a week ago today we filmed the video for it we actually did a a real video which we hadn't done in over 10 years for a song and uh i'm gonna see the cut today oh, cool apparently tonight <laughs> so we'll, we'll see but um sing away was a song that was on my solo record sun songs that came out in 2019 but it was more of an acoustic version mm -hmm. I, I played drums on it and bass but it's not big guitars it doesn't sound like everclear this version sounds like everclear um goes from like really soft to really heavy and hard and it's a song about teenage bullying and teenage um suicide mm -hmm. about suicide bullying leading to suicide which i've had friends um lose children to that my daughters have both been bullied um badly my youngest one especially and we dealt with that um and um you know, just suicide is something, you know, mental illness has run in my family as it does in most families. Um, it's just people don't want to talk about it. Yeah. But um, it's something that I've been, and I think a lot of people are being much more upfront mm 
talking about mental illness, which I think is wonderful because it takes the stigma away from it. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what I hope this song, if it accomplishes anything. I think it's just a great rock song, but it's also uh, emotional, going back to what we were talking about, the emotion. Yeah. It's an about emotional subject. Yeah. Sure. Well, that one, are you going to perform that one on tour too, I assume? Absolutely. We're going to, awesome. we're going to perform it. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be great. A whole new experience for everybody. It sounds like. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Art, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Why don't you let people know where they can, you know, find Everclear's music, check out those tour dates you've been mentioning and just keep up with all the good stuff you got going on. Absolutely. First of all, thank you for having me on. It was great talking to you. Sorry, I ran a little bit late. Thanks for your patience. Um, yeah, Everclear's new tour starts September 6th in Lexington, Kentucky, goes around the whole country, ends up back in the desert here in Palm Springs at a place called Pappy and Harriet's on the 15th. Uh, check us out. Check out our tour dates at everclearonline.com. You can also buy tickets there. You can buy VIP packages, merchandise, everything, one-stop shop. Um, our new album, Live at the Whiskey A Go-Go, which is actually very proud being an old guy who grew up with double live records back in the day. <laughs> this is a double live record on Coke bottle green vinyl. And I'm about to see some because the, the guy from the label is about to knock on that door and bring me some vinyl, which I'm going to see for the first time. So come out to the shows. We're doing something on these on this tour that we, we haven't done for a while since COVID. Before COVID, we used to go out to the merch booth after every show and sign and just meet people and stuff. And we're doing it on this tour for the first time since COVID. So hope awesome. to see you guys. Get more people on the doors. All right. Thank you so much again. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Another David Andrea therapy session, we'll call I it. I know, with Olivia <laughs> this time. With Olivia. Olivia is the, the topic bringing us together for this music therapy session today. Olivia Rodrigo's sophomore album, Guts, is finally here. It feels like it's been forever since we've had music from Olivia. She usually keeps it under wraps, you know, like she's been quiet since, you know, the past two, three-ish years since Sour I was came nervous, out. David. I was nervous. nervous. Yeah, that sophomore album, sophomore slump. I was going to say, like, I feel like that's the big question here is, does she deliver? You know, the sophomore slump is, it's a thing. Like, a lot of artists have their careers really hurt by a sophomore slump. And I mean, we, we'll get into it, but like, do we think this album like overcomes that? Like, what do you think? I think she delivered. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into it. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into it. Well, I mean, like on first listen, for me at least, it felt more mature and the sound just felt more diverse than Sour. Like I was someone that when I first listened to Sour, I thought it was kind of one note. I thought a lot of the songs were kind of whiny. Like the songwriting was very similar concept over and over again. But with Guts, like it immediately kind of grabbed my attention literally because, you know, all American bitches like it really does grab you in the same way that Brutal does. But it's more... I don't know like I would I feel like it's just more like of a good lead single not lead single but first single to open up the album like it just really really grabs you because it kind of starts off a little bit slow and then it builds 
and it's very like reminiscent of like early 2000s like emo punk like that kind of vein mm-hmm. literally the first thing I said was is this Avril Lavigne saying this yes I had the exact <laughs> thought she's admitted she's very influenced by Avril mm-hmm. are we all <laughs> yeah I love Avril I'm an Avril stand till the day I die and it's just crazy like I looked up afterwards her influences and like you said she does cite Avril as an influence and a lot of people that she grew up listening to kind of fall into that vein like you know, Alanis likes, and... yeah Alanis mm-hmm. like you know she's referenced Billy Joel and like Carol King and like those types of artists too and it really goes to show like when an artist that young is referencing like those artists from that decade or that time period it really comes through in her maturity and her voice and in her songwriting mm-hmm. I agree I also think All American Bitch does a good job of kind of the the theme of the album at least how I view it is kind of like the push and pull of like being a kid versus being an adult and it's kind of like living in that in between I kind of feel like she's like like (laughs) I feel like that is kind of the whole theme of the album and that one first song on the album really encompasses all that it's very angsty it's very bratty I would say Mm, bratty I love that adjective (laughs) (laughs) and I mean you hit hit the nail on the head like she even has said like this album is a lot about navigating life as a young woman especially Mm -hmm. because she's only yeah she's only what 21 20 she's 20 sorry girl it gets better (laughs) (laughs) we're here to tell you it gets better but that like leads me to another point is like you know she's not even 21 and on bad idea which is the song that comes right afterwards she talks about being like out and fucked up and drinking and shit and i'm like girl have you even like done any of this stuff you're talking about like over in europe right (laughs) well her her man flies her to france yeah so she's got that's a lyric so she's over there yeah yeah she's got it mate what do you think of that song because honestly so vampire was obviously the first song that she released Mm -hmm. off the album and I didn't love it, love it, but it's kind of growing on me a little bit. But when Bad Idea came out, I was like, this is a bop. Like, this is a good song. Yeah, Vampire, when I first heard it, I liked it. But I definitely thought it was a strange choice of a single. I was kind of like, a ballad? Like, what? And then I was like, you know what, Andrea? Just trust the process. Like, she's an artist. Like, her marketing people know what they're doing. And I think it fits well with Bad Idea because Bad Idea is kind of like the bop everyone loves, you know, it's kind of like the good for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think releasing both those are really good. I think Bad Idea is very strong though. Mm-hmm. Something that didn't really sell me was the vampire music video. I just didn't get it. I feel like I need yeah. to rewatch it. It didn't like do anything for me, but the Bad Idea music video, ooh. That was, was a good one. Say. Yeah, yeah, I literally said that video was very like cheeky. It was very funny. Mm. Like it shows a good job of creating like a theme, like yes. similar colors, similar aesthetics, costumes, like that type of mm-hmm. whole thing. And I mean, I don't know if you know this, like is purple anything significant? Like why she chooses the color purple or is it just like her favorite? I've, I've never heard her say anything about that. She yeah. must like the color. <laughs> I would hope. Yeah. But I kind of like that she stuck with the purple for the second album. Mm-hmm. Well, she even had the idea for Guts for a while. She said like mm-hmm. she had the mm-hmm. album name like when Sour was finished. She like wanted it yeah. to be four letters. She likes the term Guts because it talks about it could be like a very universal term like hating your mm-hmm. guts, trusting your gut, 
letting all those things kind of coincide. I hope she sticks with the four letter words throughout her whole career. You think so? I think that would be so cool for an artist to do. It does show like it's similar like in the vein as Adele, like how all of her albums Mm -hmm. are like a number of the age she I think either wrote it or released the album. It's one of those Mm -hmm. two. But yeah, I could see that being a very cool like marker for her. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Olivia. Do it. Do it. Do it. (laughs) She probably will. She strikes me as the type that likes to keep things consistent and build a certain image. And like we said, like Mm -hmm. she's only 20 and she's already like so solidified in the pop Mm -hmm. culture industry. Like she's going to have this brand. She's going to have to maintain it, I feel. I agree. Vampire 2, like it kind of reminded me a little bit of Driver's License in a way. Like, very similar mm-hmm. lead single, like we said, a ballad. But the different thing about Vampire is that it really builds, and mm-hmm. it really, it keeps building, honestly. Like, and it doesn't I think really have an end point. Right. It just kind of explodes at the end there. I also think Dan, her producer and her, did such a good job of, like, it sounds familiar to Sour, mm-hmm. but it also sounds very new. And like you said earlier, very mature. Mm-hmm. like a little a little bump up not like yeah. she's trying to be more mature than she actually is it seems very like age appropriate to me and fun and the production I feel like reflects that yeah you reminded me of a point too I wanted to bring up is there's a lot of comparisons on this album sonically a lot of people are comparing you know we mentioned Avril before mm-hmm. a lot of people are comparing like All American Bitch to sounding like Start All Over by Miley Cyrus mm-hmm. and when I listen to this album like there are bits I hear of like Taylor Swift and like Marina mm-hmm. or Marina and the Diamonds. Like I said, I hear a lot dream. of Paramore. I was just going to say yeah. like Paramore kind of comes through for me on like love is embarrassing a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's like very like that bouncy little bridge at the end. I had to re-listen to it to remember what it was. But I was like, this <laughs> sounds like Haley Williams. Like, yeah, yeah. But I think it's also important to mention as we're talking about like there's comparisons to her own sound like. Mm-hmm. She's kind of pulling from anywhere and everywhere, I think, like what she's done and what others are doing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's so interesting to compare it to her other work because it was just so successful. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how how does this compare? Does Mm -hmm. it top it? Does it not? Yeah, I do feel like I said earlier, it does feel like a progression and she's actually described Mm -hmm. it as that as well. Like it feels more diverse. It feels like the energy too and like, it really ebbs and flows and I'm like looking at the track list like like we said we come out swinging with all American bitch and like that idea and vampire kind of starts off slow but builds again and then you get I really want to talk about this song Lacey because <laughs> Lacey's like the outlier <laughs> I was like this is interesting and this yeah. is something I thought this sounded like a Gracie Abrams song honestly oh I see it yeah in my YouTube video, Andrew said it reminds him of Conan Gray. I heard that. Because oh, Dan, her producer, that. also works with Conan Gray. I always say they're like the male and female equivalent of each other. Mm. Like, their music is so copacetic. And mm-hmm. like I said, Lacey, like in particular, and this is another thing too that I think that Guts has that Sour didn't, her singing techniques are different. Like she kind of sings a little bit more with like a clenched mouth or clenched Mm -hmm. jaw or like there are certain parts that are very like operatic like and that's why Lacey stood out to me because I was kind of like this is very very different for Olivia. Yeah 
it's so low <laughs> like in her vocal range it's so interesting and even like the words are so interesting like she talks about like low-key being jealous of someone or envious mm-hmm. of someone but also having a crush on them and I was like is this, mm-hmm. a, is this a queer anthem that we're getting <laughs> as well like <laughs> when I listened to it I didn't view it as that but I saw like people on Twitter talking about that before it was released and I was like mm-hmm. huh but who knows? It's all up for interpretation, I guess. It's art, right? Yeah, art is always <laughs> up for interpretation. Always. But yeah, it definitely is a strange one on the album. I mean, yeah. not strange. It's great, but like, it doesn't sound like the rest of the album. Yeah. Were there any other songs that you felt the same way? I'm trying to think of another look one. look at the list. I feel like ball- I didn't like Ballad of a Homeschool Girl like too, too much. You and it's the didn't? next one. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Like, give it a little another listen. I might maybe have ten to. times more. <laughs> I'm guessing that's one of your favorites. Yeah, that's definitely my top three. What are your top three? List them off. Well, get him back is definitely my favorite. Mm. I love Ballad of a Homeschooled Girl, and I love The Grudge, but The Grudge makes me cry. So, like, I don't <laughs> always listen to it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that one is deep like i wrote yeah, yeah, driver's yeah. license combined with vampire and like if you know like <laughs> they had a child deep, yeah like that's <laughs> and like the one line too that really stands out on the grudge to me is and we both drew blood but mm. man those cuts were never equal oh, like oh my god and the line where it's like um it takes strength to forgive but i don't want to be strong yes that's what it is she really had to hit us with that huh she really ouch, did. Ouch, ouch, ouch. She really did. Well, did you know that apparently she abstained herself from songwriting for six months after touring for Sour? Wow. Because she wanted, it was either after touring or while she was touring, one or the other, just to like completely live life so that she could write again. So yeah. she literally quit cold turkey from writing for like six months just so she could experience things to have enough content to write about again. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it all goes back to that point too of being a 19 year old 20 year old girl like navigating life and growing up and growing through Mm -hmm. things especially when you're in the limelight like she was catapulted into stardom and actually the song um making the bed is really reflective of that so I actually really like that song Mm -hmm. that's probably my top five yeah really yeah Mm because it's like like she talks about the pressures of dealing with fame but also like you're the one that sets yourself up for that kind mm-hmm. of stuff and it's just so like double standard mm-hmm. like you're the one to blame mm-hmm. but are you no you are but you're not and it's like yeah you are <laughs> but like also you're not like people like people add fuels to the fire but like you're mm-hmm. the one that's kind of starting it too mm-hmm. yeah Ooh. I also saw in some interview she was saying how she was 17 when she was writing sour and it's kind of like her whole life she's had to think about what she would put on a record but like with the sophomore album she was like okay like I said like what I really wanted to say so that's interesting she took a break like that because yeah you must as a songwriter you must have to go live your life to Mm. experience things to write about yeah exactly that's I didn't know that too that she had said with sour she felt like she said everything well she'd never like put out an album so I guess it makes sense yeah yeah so I mean it's like just that topic like you said of living life because even Mm -hmm. when you think you've said and everything or experienced Mm -hmm. everything there's always more coming around the corner (sighs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) and this is why this is our therapy session people yeah 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 yeah. yeah. thanks olivia 
Yeah, it really gets us going. Uh, let's talk about <laughs> Get Him Back because you said that one's your favorite. It is just so silly. <laughs> I also too viewed it. I remember when I first listened to it, I was like, oh, she wants to get him back. Like she wants him back in her life. And then the last, when she's like mumbling at the end, she's like, I got him good. I got him really good. <laughs> like that part is so funny to me because that's when it clicked for me where I was like, oh, she wants like revenge on this guy. Like mm-hmm. go off, Olivia. I, I support. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like you can't just get him back. You also have to get him back. Get him back. Yeah. Do you have people back. you would want to get back, David? Not that I can think of off the tongue. But like, there's got to be something yeah. out there, you know, just to make yeah. them feel a little, just a little, a little, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it reminded me. Did you watch that So Raven growing up? <laughs> That's a silly question. Of course, I did. <laughs> yeah, how rude of me to not know this already. Do you remember like the boy group? I think it yes, was Boys in Motion. Motion, and they had that one song that was like "Gotta Get You Back," and it was. <laughs> you're so right I immediately thought of that when I wrote this down I was like oh my god it's like boys to motion wow it's all coming together the Disney connection that's where she got her inspiration (laughs) she must have she must have it's the Mm -hmm. only logical explanation only (laughs) imagine she comes out and be like "Mm -hmm. the proof is in the pudding we have it on this podcast yeah she's so (laughs) funny too because like she's so open about the album itself and like what people are taking away from it especially the lyrics because like she's correcting everybody on bad idea where it's not in his i have this on caps not in his sheets it's in whose sheets yes and she's like going off on tick not going off i guess it's an aggressive term but she's like you know duetting people about the album and like reacting what people say and like one of the big things that i actually didn't know this until i watched your video was how vampire has the rumor to be about a feud with taylor swift and i'm like there's no way yeah people just yeah there's like i'm a big swifty if if the listeners don't know and um there's this huge like rumor that vampire is about taylor swift because she's a fame monster and blah 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 i don't buy into that at all i do think there might be some drama with taylor and olivia because Mm. um what is it called inter interlope or something when an artist uses part of another artist's like song in their song interpolation interpolation (laughs) yes that's the word we got there um (laughs) Good job. Uh, and Olivia did that, I think, with Paramore and with Taylor. And, like, Taylor was very supportive of Olivia. I don't know if she still is or isn't. But Swifties have noticed that, like, they don't say hi to each other at award shows. And there's, like, after that, the whole interpret whatever drama, they, like, haven't been as close. So that's why people, I don't know. I, my personal opinion, I think people just love talking about Taylor Swift. And it's, like, good clickbait. And, like... Mm-hmm. It's stupid. Let it go, people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but people just... are also speculating now that maybe Lacey's about Taylor Swift or The Grudge is about Taylor Swift. Mm, I did see that, yeah. She, mm. The poor girl can't win. Yeah. It's just, it seems like people are always looking for a reason to talk about her and take her mm-hmm. down, like you're saying. And I mean... Yeah. As a woman, I'm just like, 
let Taylor support Olivia and Olivia support Taylor. What is the what is the commotion here? Right. But it's so interesting because I feel like and in my personal life, I know a lot of people that like both. So it's like mm-hmm. I don't think you can really put them. Here's the real each kicker other. too, is like a lot of people are like, I don't like Sabrina Carpenter because mm. I like Olivia. No, 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 no. <laughs> There's no room for that. We can like everyone, give everyone their space. Um yeah, I, I, it must be so interesting for Olivia because she's just been so in the public eye mm-hmm. with all her like feuds or whatever. Yeah, if we can even call them that. Yeah, and it must be so interesting to be so young going through all that. Mm-hmm. It must be challenging. And I mean, it's it's safe to assume probably it has inspired part of Guts. Like there's got to be concepts of that on this album. Like, like we mm-hmm. mentioned, Making the Bed talks a lot about fame and dealing with that. The Grudge too, like probably has some elements of certain industry people we could probably Mm -hmm. assume yeah yeah I would say yeah yeah I'm trying to think what else like there really is I have so many notes on this album (laughs) that I'm looking at and I'm like there's a lot to dissect yeah there's a lot to talk about I really like to like speaking of logical like we were talking about earlier or I mentioned that term earlier that song is kind of it feels like a I think people usually describe it as like a couple song on an album mm. when like it borrows from another song and mm-hmm. I think it borrowed some concepts from Vampire when I was looking at the lyrics mm. earlier like the how do you lie you lied you lied like three times building up walls and castles like David I didn't notice that I yeah see it now. yeah go, honestly genius.com read the lyrics when they do oh. the lyrics and they kind of have like little explanations on the side they know I was what's like, up they, <laughs> they really do <laughs> they're on to something here well, I had to do that because Spotify didn't have lyrics for all the album for all the songs yet. So I'm like, all right, I gotta look up these lyrics somewhere. Like, I guess Apple Genius Music is... did. Apple no. Music did. We're not about to start that feud. There's no room for that feud on That's my podcast. That's for the next podcast. <laughs> it's a whole other show, people. Whole other show. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, logical. I thought is just such a cool spin on words. Mm. I really liked that. Yeah, like the one line too I have written down is to show the analogy of how things don't make sense in love and life. Mm-hmm. Two plus two equals five, and I'm the love of your life. Mm-hmm. Like that six month break she took, it really shows. <laughs> she really just, it sounds like she put some things in the vault and just was like pulling them out in the songwriting session. I think mm-hmm. she worked, she predominantly wrote, I think all, or she did write all of the songs and she mm-hmm. works with her producer. And oh, and then. Like, here's here's a little twist mm-hmm. i should have said this when we were talking about getting back but do you know alexander 23 oh yeah 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 she worked with him on this too on uh getting back him and dan did that with her but alexander 23 just did renee's rap's whole album oh my god i forgot about that yeah yeah he liked my tiktok the other day so i think we're best friends subtle flex <laughs> wait where were we logical yeah, we were talking about logical. I think I had said what I wanted to say. I don't know if you had anything else on that. I feel like how I listen to albums is like I listen through like fully a couple times. Then mm-hmm. I identify the ones I really want to like learn all the words to. Mm-hmm. And then once I get like sick of those, I like move on to the ones I haven't really gotten to yet. Mm. Logical is not on my first round of favorites. I see. So I feel like I, I don't have a lot to add about that. Right. No, that's fair. I mean, like, as you listen to an album more, you're always going to develop more ideas and whatnot. I don't want to say it too soon. Knock on wood. Don't jinx it. I don't think this is going to be a skip album for me. Sour <laughs> is not a skip. I do not skip one song 
and I think this might be the same thing. I'm just like learning them, you know. Right. I, I'm, a, I'm a lyric early. girl. I want to know all the words. Right. It's still you, early. Yes, you have to narrow it down a little bit. But one that is climbing through the rankings, David, is "Love Is Embarrassing." I was just gonna say that one. I kind of like. Like I re-listened to it. Yeah. Like I mentioned the bridge earlier. That was like very reminiscent of Paramore, like Avril. Mm-hmm. I was like, this one I could see myself listening to a couple times. Wasn't a standout at first, but now I'm like, hmm, I'm like intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about that song that catches your ear? I really like just the upbeatness of it. Mm. And like, love is embarrassing. <laughs> like, is there anything more embarrassing? I don't think so. And I can think of a couple things, but yeah, they're all <laughs> in the same vein. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So yeah, I think I, and I think that's a song that's like relatable no matter what age you are mm-hmm. that's an interesting point that you reminded me of too is because I like I said I watched your view mm-hmm. and you and Andrew had said you know we're a little bit older than Olivia like a couple years mm-hmm. but a lot of the topics she sings about don't necessarily I feel like relate to our age bracket like they do yeah. kind of relate a little bit more to teenagers earlier mm-hmm. 20s like 21 22 even so like some of the concepts themselves, I don't think I have a personal connection to, but I respect the art itself and I respect yes. those concepts because it is very well done. Like, I think she really mm, that's a, good way a to great it. job, like presenting these topics of like adulthood and womanhood and getting your heart mm-hmm. broken, but also getting revenge. Like, I just think she did it in a very eloquent way that anybody could listen to and say, I get it, you know? Yes. Yes. Uh, And also like, I think the one Andrew and I were talking about in our video was pretty isn't pretty. Mm. I feel like when you're a teenager, like, yeah, you're like so caught up in the media. I mean, I feel like at any age, you're like caught up in the media and comparing yourself to others on Instagram. And, you know, there's just so much of that. But I feel like I am kind of at a point in my life where like, I'm not like so consumed by that yeah another good example is like jealousy jealousy i Mm -hmm. love that song i listen to it all the time i sing it in my car but it's not the most like relatable song to me in my life right now but i you're right i like i love the art and i respect it and i think they're all bops Mm -hmm. for sure and i mean like we said earlier like i said too like the energy just really comes and goes like there are songs Mm -hmm. that have that high energy there are songs that don't have that high energy So it really is when you listen to the album from front to back, there's a little bit of everything. So I think, like I said, everybody can kind of relate to something on this album, you know. And those are my favorite kind of albums that have those slower songs, more upbeat songs, songs that make you want to dance, songs that make you want to cry. Like, I want a full plate. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Eat it up. Eat it up. Yeah, exactly. Well, Olivia gave us a whole ass meal, so we're going to have to go through again and we're going to get... Yeah, we're still eating it up. We're still we'll eating, eating it. Up a while. <laughs> we're not stuffed yet, Olivia. We're going to give it a no, couple more not. go arounds. But if you haven't listened to Guts yet, you might as well. Yeah. Yeah, Fill yeah. your guts. Fill your guts as we're making yeah. this meal analogy exactly. here. Wow. Okay. I see the theme here. All right. Yeah. We just crushed that, I'll say. <sighs> we did. But as like always. I, but like I said, if you haven't listened to Guts yet, you got to give it a listen. Olivia really delivers this whole album on a silver platter. So good. Andrea, thank you so much again. I always love having you on the podcast, aka our therapy sessions. Oh, yes, I love it. Thanks for having me, David.
And that's the rotated review. Want to join me for the next review? Send in your suggestions to the Onrotation Podcast at gmail.com. You can also connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Make sure you hit that follow button while you're at it. To read this review fully, see my blog, or listen to past episodes, log on to onrotationpodcast.wordpress.com. For this edition of What Popped This Week in News, we're taking a look at the top three moments from the Video Music Awards. For starters, NSYNC made a surprise reunion to present Taylor Swift with the award for Best Pop. While the band did not perform, their appearance was enough to warm fans' hearts, including Swift's. Fans have wanted NSYNC to reunite for a while, but TMZ reported the band has no plans of doing a reunion album, tour, or residency. NSYNC has not released music in two decades. Speaking of Taylor Swift, she became the second most awarded artist in VMA history, racking up 23 wins after the award show. Swift won 9 of her 11 nominations including Artist of the Year, Song of the Year, and Video of the Year. Swift is now behind Beyonce, who is the most awarded artist in VMA history with 30 wins. And lastly, Shakira returned to the VMA stage after 17 years to receive the Vanguard Award. The singer performed a melody of her hits including She-Wolf, Te Felicito, and Hips Don't Lie. In her acceptance speech, Shakira gave a special thanks to the amazing women who helped her career, as well as her two sons for helping her prove that mommy can do it all. That's going to do it for this episode. Feel free to tune in next time when we rotate through a whole new slew of topics with all new guests. In the meantime, keep it real, y'all.